I gave a lot of thought on what I would bring today as a message. My last Sunday here as a pastor, many things went through my mind. I could recount over the years things from here at the church. But I realized almost 25 years ago I came here preaching Christ, and Lord willing, I'll leave here preaching Christ. If you would, look in your Bible to the book of John, to chapter 3. John, and in chapter 3, very familiar passage of Scripture. I want to read verse 14 through verse 16. John chapter 3. In verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Just a reminder of John three 16. I've mentioned here on many different occasions that no matter how advanced you may get in your Bible study and Bible knowledge, you'll never graduate from John 3.16. One of the, I guess, first Bible verses many of us learned, the truth that is in John 3.16, you find the same thing throughout the Word of God. And I want us to consider things that are written in verse 16. I want us to consider, first of all, the love of God in sending His Son into this world. And then, I want us to look at the one who was sent. First of all, the love of God. We're told in John 3, verse 16, that God gave His only begotten Son. The love of God is beyond our understanding. It's greater than any of us. None of us can fully comprehend it. To think that God would send His Son into this sinful world to suffer and to die for sinners is just beyond us. That God would love us so much that He would actually send His Son from heaven down to this sinful world for people like you and I who were all unso, were so unworthy. You notice in verse 16 the Bible says God gave His only begotten Son. And in verse 17 it says that God sent His Son. When God sent His Son into this world, He actually gave up His Son to be sacrificed, to pay the penalty of our sins. He sent His Son and He really just gave Him up because of our sinfulness, our depravity. 
He sent his son into this world to suffer at the hands of men. But even beyond that, to suffer at the hands, we could say, of divine justice. And justice must be satisfied if any of us are going to experience salvation. The suffering at the hands of men is nothing in in comparison to what I believe happened during the three hours of darkness when God unleashed His wrath upon His Son to pay our sin debt. Consider the love of God and never forget that God loves you this much. It's an amazing thing to consider the love of God who would sacrifice His Son just for us in order that we might have eternal life. As we consider the love of God and much we could say about that certainly I want us to focus our attention upon Jesus Christ the one who was sent. Verse 16 says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. Again, consider the sent one, our Savior Jesus Christ. I'm going to begin looking at this in Matthew in chapter 3. Here I'm going to read verse 13 through verse 17. Matthew chapter 3 and in verse 13. I'm going to begin at the baptism of Jesus Christ. In verse 13, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. At the baptism of Jesus, there was several very unusual extraordinary events. First of all, you'll notice it says the heavens were open unto him. What all was involved in that, I don't know. But then it says that he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And then in verse 17, There was this voice from heaven. 
Would it have been good to be there and witness that? Jesus, the heavens opened unto him, the Spirit of God descending in the form of a dove and lighting upon him. And then the voice from heaven. Now I want you to notice what this voice from heaven did say. The voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What a great announcement that was. What a great declaration that was. This man whom people could see coming up out of the water, God said, this man is my beloved son. This man upon whom the Spirit of God did come down in the form of a dove and rest upon him, that is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If you look over to Matthew chapter 17, the words are repeated here at the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And again, at the transfiguration, there were many extraordinary events, many different things happened and occurred there. Now I'm going to read Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, Talking with him. Then Peter answered, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And while he yet spake, notice this, Peter is interrupted. He was very rash in his speaking. He was really speaking out of turn, not really knowing what he was saying. But he was interrupted. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Again, this man whose countenance was, was changed, this man whose face now did shine as the sun, this man whose clothing is now white as light, this man to whom Moses and Elijah appeared, and they were speaking to him uh, about his death. Isn't that an amazing thing? Jesus on this mountain with his disciples and again he's transfigured and all of these great changes did take place. And then miraculously there appeared unto him Moses 
and Elijah. I won't turn there, but you might notice sometime in Luke chapter 9, verse 29 through verse 31, they appeared there, and as Luke records it, they were speaking to Jesus about His decease, about His death, about Him leaving this world. Moses and Elijah appeared with Him. And this man, who was there experiencing this great transfiguration, the conversation with Moses and Elijah, who had been dead for years, and now they appear here on the mountain, the voice out of the cloud said, This man is my beloved son. I'm well pleased in this man. In both the readings in chapter 3 and here in chapter 17, God did speak of His Son. And again, He gave the great announcement. This one that you see, who is now in the form of a man, this is my beloved Son. He identified this man as his beloved son. Look with me in the book of Colossians. Colossians and in chapter 1. Colossians and in chapter 1. And here I want to read verse 12 and verse 13. Colossians 1 and in verse 12. It says, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. People that know me know I like to look at word definitions. I like to be able to understand what I'm reading. The phrase there, His dear Son, in the original language literally means the Son of His love. has the same meaning of my beloved Son. But it actually would read the Son of His love. I won't turn there, but in Ephesians chapter 1 and in verse 6, Jesus is simply called the Beloved. The Beloved. He is the Beloved. We're told repeatedly in the Scripture, especially in John chapter 3 and in verse 35, John chapter 5 and in verse 20, the Father loveth the Son. Again, we don't understand all of that. We don't understand the greatness of that love. The Father loveth the Son. And He said, this is my beloved Son. Words that are beyond us. Before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, even before this world was, Jesus was God's beloved Son. 
It's a strange thing to me that I know some preachers who deny the eternal sonship of Jesus Christ. As long as there has been God the Father, I can assure you there has been God the Son. And again, before he ever came into this world, before the world was, he was God's beloved Son. I want you to compare some scriptures with me. I'm going to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, I'll read verse 1 and then verse 2. Then I want us to compare a reading in the book of Proverbs. In John chapter 1 and in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Every Bible student, every Christian should know that the Word that is mentioned here is Jesus Christ. He is the one in verse 14 who was made flesh and did dwell among us. But if you'll notice in verse 1 and in verse 2, it speaks of Him being with God. Being with God. Now if you would go with me to the book of Proverbs and in chapter 8. Proverbs and in chapter 8 and here I'll begin reading in verse 22. Proverbs 8 verse 22. This is one of those messianic psalms. This is actually Jesus speaking of himself and speaking himself in prophecy long before he ever came into this world. In verse 22 he said, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his ways, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the earth, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depths, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandments, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then was I by him as one brought up with him. And notice, I was daily his delights, rejoicing always before him. Again, before the birth in Bethlehem, before the world was, he said, I was daily his delight. Always God's beloved 
Son. The Father has always been well pleased in His Son. In the book of Isaiah and in chapter 42 and in verse 1, here you have God speaking and He speaks about His Son. In Isaiah 42 and in verse 1, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, notice, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. Seems like we read about that at the baptism. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. If you would keep that verse in mind, what it says there. If you go over to Matthew and in chapter 12, you have basically an interpretation given to us in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 12 and in verse 18. Here it says, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show show judgment unto the Gentiles. I want to emphasize this in this message. Neither in time nor in eternity, Has there ever been a period when God the Father was not well pleased with His Son? He was always the Beloved to His Father. Even when He was made a curse for us, He was still God's Beloved. Even as when Peter did say, That he did bear our sins in his own body upon the tree. He was the Father's beloved Son. And the Father was well pleased in him. I'll put forth a question. Why was Jesus here? Why was he here upon this earth? Why did he become a man and wind up at Calvary being nailed to a tree? Why was he here? Look with me to the book of John in chapter 6. And we're told the basic reason that Jesus was here. Again, why did he even come? Why? Would he submit himself to crucifixion as he did? John chapter 6 and in verse 38 he answers the question. He said, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. When he was suffering at the hands of men, Suffering beyond anything we can imagine. 
He was doing the Father's will. And in doing the Father's will, he was still God's beloved Son in whom God was well pleased. Why was he at Calvary? He was doing his Father's will. I'm going to read in Hebrews in chapter 10. In the book of Hebrews and in chapter 10, And I'm going to read verse 4 through verse 10. Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 4. The first thing we'll read is of an impossibility. For it is not possible that the blood of goats and of calves, uh, blood of goat, bulls and of goats should take away sin. Before we understand anything else, we must understand it's impossible for anything else to put away sin other than the blood of Jesus Christ. All the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament did not put away one single sin. No act of religion no reformation of life, no goodness in man can ever put away sin. It is not possible. Verse 5, Wherefore, because it was not possible, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith. Now consider this. Think about what you're reading. When he cometh into the world, here's what he said. Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he saith sacrifice and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Why was Jesus here to do the Father's will? From Bethlehem to Golgotha, he spent his life doing the Father's will. Crucified, his body marred beyond any recognition of a human being. And then as I mentioned earlier, the three hours of darkness which a transaction took place that was not man's business. That was between the Father and the Son. So the earth was darkened. No one saw what went on then. 
Again, this was business between the Father and the Son. Why was he there? He was doing the Father's will. And because he was doing the Father's will, the Father was still well pleased in him. That was still God's beloved Son who was suffering as he was. God was satisfied. Do you remember what's written in the book of Isaiah in chapter 53? In Isaiah and in chapter 53, everyone should be familiar with Isaiah 53. I want you to think of Jesus at Calvary. And how the Lord was well pleased in his beloved son. Verse 10 of this great prophecy says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. His beloved son in whom he is well pleased. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed. If you're a believer you're included there. Think about that. When Jesus Christ was suffering at the hands of God not the hands of men here this is the hands of God. When he's suffering there to satisfy the, the, the sin penalty, the debt that you and I owed. He shall see his seed. He saw me. If you're a believer, he saw you. He shall see his seed. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. That speaks of the resurrection of Christ. And notice the next words. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. The beloved Son. Pleasing the Father. And laying down his life. Suffering as a sacrifice for our sins, he was still doing the will of the Father. And therefore the Father was well pleased in his Son. That was his beloved Son doing his will. Go with me to the book of Luke, if you would, in chapter 23. As we think about the sacrifice that he did make there at Calvary. There were seven separate things that Jesus said as he was suspended there between heaven and earth. But I want you to focus your attention, if you would, in Luke chapter 23, 
And in verse 46, and I want you to notice the last words that Jesus said before he drew his last breath upon this earth. In Luke 23 and in verse 46, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, what did he say? He said, Father, just think about that. He said, Father, this is God's beloved Son. And He is going to express His complete confidence in his father he said father into thy hands I commend my spirit father into your hands I entrust my spirit for safekeeping the trust he had in his father as he is doing the father's will Jesus' final words before his death father a communication with his father I've mentioned I'll mention again throughout his earthly life from a babe born in Bethlehem all the way to the Son of God being crucified at Golgotha. He was the Father's beloved Son in whom He is well pleased. His last words before His death were speaking to His Father. But think about God being well pleased. In his son. If he was well pleased in his son. While his son was here upon this earth. Don't you think. That right now as Jesus is seated at God's right hand. That God is completely satisfied. In his son. I'm going to close just by mentioning this to you. Our salvation totally depends upon God's satisfaction with His Son. Depends on nothing else. If God's not satisfied, we have no salvation. This is God's Son in whom He is well pleased.